Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Welcome back, dreamers and Flam family. This is Two Peas and a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. This is episode 18 of season 4, Hidden Gems of the NES and SNES. <laughs> hey, Flibbity Flam, my man! General Andrews, my dude, how are you doing? I am beat! Yes, yeah, same! You know, that, that if I'm being 100% honest, I, I'm exhausted, but it's for good reasons. It's for, you know, doing things that I want to do, doing things that I love, but I, I am tired today. How about you, man? I, I am very tired as well. Hopefully for good reasons. Oh, yeah. The same as you, doing things I want to do, doing things I like to do, but it's exhausting after, you know, when you get to bed at two o'clock in the morning. It's a little tired. And then you have to be up at seven. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. All right. Well, then let's jump on into this one. Uh, we've been doing quite a few serious topics of late. Again, because our podcast is a potpourri style where we kind of just take on whatever, right? Exactly. The delicious potpourri of Jen and Flib. You know, and because we felt like some of those issues, uh, it was important to kind of just give a perspective. Not that we're right. Uh, maybe we're wrong. Uh, but just to give another perspective to look on certain aspects of things. And hopefully some of the information we shared was helpful. And also we've had some really amazing guests. But the information as well, that some of the things for at least some of those uh, casts had also shown what they were really important. And sometimes they were heavier pieces of information to digest. Definitely. So let's line it up a little bit this time. Oh, I love this. All right. So let's get back to our roots here and let's jump into the video games. And specifically, let's jump into that retro action. Oh, I love the retro so much. Now, typically we, we talk about a lot of topics that would be, uh, say, popular, right? Mm -hmm. I would say so. In this instance, let's go ahead and jump into this mini series style that we're going to do, because these are not the only two systems we want to talk out, talk about being the NES and SNES. Is that correct? Yes, we're going to we're going to go into a couple more after this as well. This is our little our our series as we're going to go for the next couple of weeks. Cool, cool. We're still kind of coming up with a name for that mini series, but but come along for the ride with us, folks. We're going to be delving into hidden gems and why the other individual, and maybe this is you just vicarious to listen on through, should be jumping in and checking out these titles, or at the very least, if you see someone playing it on Twitch or on YouTube, you, you, should, you should go watch it. Oh, 100%. All right, so the rule is here is that we're going to give each one of us eight minutes at most to convince the other person why they should check out the game. So, with that being said, do you want to start us off on the NES, or do you want me to start us off on the NES? Because then we'll flip-flop. I'll let you start off on the NES, just because I'm not very familiar with the NES. All right. I, f I have a feeling you've got a really good one here. Well, now, I'm sure you've seen me play this game once before on stream, but Ooh. it's been a while now. Ooh. And it's actually one of Posty's favorite games. Ooh, a Posty favorite. So this game that people should be checking out 
is Milan's Secret Castle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a hidden gem inside a hidden gem inside a hidden gem. It really is. <laughs> there's so many there's so many onion layers to this one. So when we decided to go ahead and tackle this uh the, the two systems i was prepared for the most to go ahead and bring hidden gems to the surface on were the nes and snes yeah and this one is by far one of the best ones to bring up because when you initially just look at the gameplay from a still image you might be like eh, i've seen this before but that's not where the awesomeness of this game comes into play the name of this game is Milan's Secret Castle. Now, when Posty back in the day was trying to convince me that this game was so much fun, so cool, we should check it out someday, he kept on calling it Merlin's Secret Castle. Of and I'm like, Dude, I've never heard of this game, Merlin's Secret <laughs> Castle. We eventually figured out that it was Milan's, and because I found the box cover art, and I was like, is this the game? And he's like, oh! Oh, that's the game. That's the game. That's the we one. <laughs> we started laughing because I'm like, dude, it's not Merlin's. And he's like, I, well, you know, I, I thought it was. And I was like, okay, all right, fair enough. I've been there. And so that, that was a pretty funny there. Even the, the title itself eludes people from time to time. This game literally tells you it's going to be a secret. There is zero hand-holding. Like, people talk about a lot of time, like, oh, I'm so thankful for zero hand-holding. This game goes beyond the limits of zero hand-holding. <laughs> you can't progress to the first boss unless you actually start just trying everything in this game. Oh, my goodness. There are hidden blocks. One of the, You have to actually access a store for a very specific item in the very beginning, and you have no clue what's there. Oh, the fantastic. only way you're going to find it is one of the blocks in the very first room that you can enter. You push up against it for three seconds. What? That's such a specific amount of time. Now, you can push for longer. If you push for longer, obviously, it's still going to pop up. But it's yeah. got to be three seconds or longer. So you might push up against it for a second and then move on. Because in something like Legend of Zelda, that would have been more than enough time to push up against a block. And does it move? It moves. Yeah. This game did not do it that way. This game made it longer than that. And so you do that. Ta-da! And so now when you would unlock this thing, it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is where we need to go. Okay, so Posty, when he was going ahead and explaining this to me, he was telling me back when he had this game, because I had to experience this game through Posty and then on to stream. And as we started playing it, we were unlocking more and more things that he'd never played because he had only gotten to like the second area, period. And there's like eight areas overall. My God. In, in the entire game. And <laughs> when you die in that game, you completely start over. Oh, fantastic. The beautiful era of the NES and what it was. But guess what? There's a secret. Uh, secret. If you held select when you started the game back up, you automatically continued from where you were. That's actually really cool. <laughs> it was a secret. You didn't know you could continue for sure until you learned that. And Posty and I had played it for two streams in a row and we were had to start over and we're like oh my gosh we have to get this whole thing one of the dreamers had mentioned this was T.S. Stodden was like just so you know you can hold select when you hit 
continue, you know, start the game again, and it's going to start you from the beginning, but with all your items, which was huge because oh that means we goodness. could progress really. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, so we die on a really tough area. We just have to get back to that area, but that's not that bad. It's not like going through the whole game to get back to that area. And it was, oh my gosh, it was. We were filled with joy. We had hope again that we could actually beat this title. It was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> Hope was restored in being able to conquer the the secret of the castles that was Milan's. <laughs> exactly. It, it was just so epic. Now, this game also, you have a weapon, and your weapon in this game is actually, you fire just a bunch of bubbles. For whatever reason, really? your bubbles are deadly. You know? <laughs> they are killer things that take down your enemies, and they also, if you're firing in certain areas, they won't unlock more secrets. So you can unlock things like a honeycomb. That honeycomb is going to go ahead and boost your health meter. Uh, if you unlock a honeybee, the honeybee gives you an additional invincibility barrier that has a couple of different layers. It all depends how much damage you take. If you take a mass amount of damage, that barrier will be gone on one hit. But lots of other things, um, it'll slowly tick away at that barrier before it's gone. Oh, wow. There are certain areas where if you jump your head up into it, you will unlock music boxes and you might think, okay, so what? Those music boxes were fun little side games you could do to get a bunch of extra points. Now, do those points mean much of anything? Yes, those points within the little hidden games, you would be able to go ahead and get, uh, where's my brain going, for money from it. That's what it was, because you need money for the stores. For money for the shops, yeah. So, and then the shops also sold bunk items and certain shops sold items for double the amount that you needed to pay for it versus other shops. If you found those shops, you only pay like half the price. This is and like, eventually man. that matters. <laughs> I, eventually I matter. love the NES because it's, it's a perfect example of what the wild west of video games was because right, they, just did, they just did everything and anything and put them in there and like, well, maybe people will find it. Right? Yes. So with all those secrets, before I go ahead and complete this and pass it off to you to go ahead and give us your NES gem, I'm just going to give the plot of the game for individuals. <laughs> so that way they kind of know, like, okay, after all these secrets, what is this game even about? So the protagonist, Milan, lives in the land of Hudson, which this game is made by Hudson, uh, where people use music to, mu to communicate with each other. But he does not have the ability to communicate. He always asks himself, why is he the only one who lacks the ability to understand people and music? So one day he decides to travel throughout the land of Hudson to search for other people like himself. Before leaving for his trip, Milan decides to visit Queen Eliza, or Eliza potentially, who lives in Castle Garland, known as Hudson's secret castle in the manual. When Milan arrives at Castle Garland, the people were being attacked by the evil warlord from the North region. The warlord robs the innocent people by stealing all their musical instruments and occupies the Castle Garland. Queen Eliza is held captive inside Castle Garland by the Warlord and his demon monsters. Milan volunteers to fight the Warlord and his demons to go ahead and rescue the Queen and all the musical instruments for the people of Hudson. This will not be an easy task. Castle Garland has many different rooms and each room is a maze filled with demons, secret passages, and doors. However, the castle's magician tells Milan Queen Elisa has hidden many tools, instruments, and money to help him. The magician also gives Milan a magic bubble Ooh. to assist him in finding the places where the helpful items are hidden and where they may be bought. 
All right. That, that was is, the Lawn Seeker Castle. That is quite That's the gem. That's my hidden gem. That is quite the gem right there. <laughs> I vaguely right, remember you playing that on stream, too. I mean, it, it, if you only just looked at the game for like a quick glance, you'd be like, eh, so what? Yeah. It's one that you really need to play or like start to be invested in asking questions on what's going on. You'd be like, oh, okay, this is pretty darn cool. It does seem very, very neat because looking at screenshots of it is very meh. You, you but, would think nothing here, like, I yeah. don't need to play this game nowadays, especially after all these games have come out. Mm-hmm. And that's on the last of the list. But that's why I thought it was important to bring up the hidden gem because it literally has layers and layers of hiddenness within it. Yeah. All right. Time for my NES gem, which I've seen. I've seen actually a lot of speedruns on this. And it's one that's a it's a Ninja Gaiden clone. Oh. Right? It's it's kind of like Ninja Gaiden, but it's its own thing. It's called Kabuki Quantum. Oh, tell me more. So Kabuki Quantum is you you're basically like you're a colonel named Scott. What is it? Scott O'Connor, who uses his hair as his whip it's like your sword in ninja gaiden and okay okay you use it to jump off of different platforms you can climb the same way you would in ninja gaiden it's quite literally like almost a complete clone except set in a futuristic realm okay cool you have you have different power-ups that you can also get it's a very very interesting speed run from what i've seen and it's funny because the wiki page is very very short (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from what oh, I've is seen. It? Okay. Yeah, it's a very, very small wiki page, which tells me that a lot of people have not played this game, and they should, because the platforming in it is is really, really good. It's got, you know, icy platforms, that, and the hair mechanic plays into it where you can grab different platforms with your hair, and then you can flip up to it. Okay, cool. I was going to ask you, because that made me think a little bit of, like, uh, Beard, Beard Blade? Beard Blade, yes, yeah. Okay, okay cool, cool. Like the first iteration of Beard Blade back in the day. Cause that's like when you were describing some of the stuff, that's what the vibes I was like, that was a really quirky but fun game to watch. I never played it myself yet, but it was a lot of fun to watch. It's it's super fun. Both of the, you, both of them are. Now did you get a chance to play this uh the one that you're talking about right now? I have not, no. I should have no. played it yesterday, but I did not have time. Like I, I had this picked for a couple of days and I was like, maybe, maybe I should, should really load this up and play because my <laughs> NES, my NES does still work, but I will definitely probably be playing it in the next couple of days. So we'll, we'll tell so you cool. next time on the next episode, how that went. Oh, that's great. So now with this game, what would you say, what, what is good about it as it, as a standalone versus just being a clone? I would say the, the style, the art style of it is a okay. lot is a lot different from what ninja gaiden was i was gonna say because ninja gaiden's art style is it's pretty uh basic it is it's very very basic and this one has more of that futuristic theme you're going through factories and alien territories as this and, and you're kind of like you're going through it in like a white kimono with bright red hair and i'm already loving this right oh man <laughs> This is one we need to get you to do on stream because I, yeah, I think right. it, I think it would be good. <laughs> I mean that, that 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 right there is already pulling me in. It's like wait, in white kimono, long flowing red hair. Okay, yeah. okay, right? okay. <laughs> Fight aliens like your the whole plot is you are fighting an alien virus that has entered the mainframe, and you are one of the remaining humans who 
has become self-aware to fight this virus. Like, let me just read it here. Scott O'Connor volunteers to undergo an experimental transfer technology that converts his brain into raw binary code. He takes on the image of a kabuki dancer, since the computer recognizes his great-great-grandfather as one. The virus in the virtual world takes on properties of an actual virus. It leaves behind debris, mutant creatures, and parasite environments of biological nature. Dang. I mean, that description alone sounds, it just, with that futuristic setting, it just sounds really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, you're a ninja that whips your hair back and forth in the future. For an NES title, that, that just really interested me. Because I've seen, like I said, a few people speedrun it. I had no idea until I started looking into it, like what kind of depth this game actually had. Yeah, that's definitely a hidden gem because I'd never heard of it. I I, I had not heard of that game, uh, especially for being a big time into platforming titles. Uh, that's re- that's a really cool find. I'm, I'm glad you shared that one. Hell yeah. All right. Are we ready for the SNES? Ah, uh, yes. Our, our Probably my favorite console of all time. Well, if it's your favorite console of all time, I think you should start us off then. All right, all right, I, I, I like that. So I'm gonna go with one that's a little a little off the walls here, and I know our good friend Dave has run this game. Oh. And it was very, it flew very, very under the radar. Actually, no, I'm changing it right now off the cuff. Okay. Because I, I remembered which one I had actually picked. I was gonna say Goof Troop, which is a good one. I, I, I literally thought, because you said Dave, I was like, he's got to be sneaking Goof Troop. It's I'm thinking Goof, it's another Disney game, though. Oh, okay. Dis, or Mickey's Magical Quest. Oh, my God. Mickey's Magical Quest. Yes. Right? That's a game that a lot of people, like, have probably seen or maybe played once, but, like, then gave up on it. But, man, you need to play through that from front to end, because it is, it is such a good game. Oh, the mechanics in it, the way you change your clothing for different power-ups, all the different bosses and characters that they have in it is like super charming for a Super Nintendo game. It just it and checks all the boxes for me. That's really cool because a lot of times with a lot of Disney games, uh, they kind of phone it in. They do, yes. You, you know what I'm talking about? Where they, they just use the IP and, and those assets and kind of just like... Well, we're going to mimic another or clone another game and just put our stuff on it. Yes. And this one did not do that. No, it, it was a completely whole unique thing that they did with it. And I thought it was just, it was beautiful. It was great. It's super fun platforming style. The fact that you don't, you don't have an attack in that game. You don't. Oh. You don't attack at all. You have to throw blocks at things. That's how That's you attack. How that okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and like with some costumes, you could attack like the magic one. You could shoot magic, right? That was basically your only attack. But then the firefighter one, you're basically you're shooting water. You're a firefighter. I was, okay. I was just about to ask. I was like, I felt like some of the costumes or the, you know, uh, skills that you'd be applying onto your character, then you could do some kind of attacks. Okay, and the yeah. first one I thought of was literally the firefighter one. Yeah, the firefighter one, because that's the most prominent, I think, in my head. Because that, that whole stage is also very infuriating because it's very tough. Because everything's yes. on fire. <laughs> so then, are you? If if I remember correctly, do you use the water to even be able to like jump on a certain platforms? Because you on fire? do, yes. Because they light on fire, you have to use the water to make them not on fire, and then jump on them. But you also have to be quick because they'll relight on fire uh-huh, if they go okay. into fire. I'm telling you, that kind of intuitiveness is rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obviously 
falling and dying or perishing, whatever you would like to use with the terminologies when you're playing these games. And, you know, platformers, usually they have some instant death areas that can be infuriating. Yes. But it's rewarding when it's like, oh, this does this. Now that is cool. Yeah, it's rewarding, like just taking a hit and then figuring out the mechanic and still getting to go through the level instead of just like an instant death. Correct. Uh, another thing that's not that game, but makes me think of, again, the intuitiveness that makes it re rewarding. Like, let's say you're playing a fighting game and there is a sign in the background and you throw the character, but now you throw your character high enough up in the air and it hits that sign. That sign breaks off for the rest of the, the battle. Oh, so satisfying. Those little pieces of detail were big. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm digging this. This was a this was a good choice. I agree. This is a very good choice. But is that it? what is what what was the plot of this game so if I, i'm doing this strictly from memory okay if i remember right the whole thing is a dream when oh. you get to the end and after you beat pete or whatever because pete's always the bad guy for some reason <laughs> darn you pete darn what are you, you doing pete. he's fat and sassy he's got to be the bad guy <laughs> typical typical 90s yeah exactly <laughs> You but sassy? He, you fat? You bad. You you bad. You're just a bad person. But Pete had taken your dog, Pluto, and you have to go save Pluto. And that that I think is the essential plot of the whole game. Is you going through different magical lands to get Pluto back. And then after you beat Pete in the end, that's when you wake up and Pluto's licking your face or whatever. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. So what you're telling me is this video game inspired the first John Wick film? Yes. Okay. See, that's a selling point right there, folks. Yeah. Mickey Mouse <laughs> is Keanu my dog, Reeves. I will come and yeah. find you. <laughs> I don't care if it's a dream or not. <laughs> I'm going to get you back. <laughs> Never mess with a man and his dog. Mark Wahlberg also showed that in Sniper. So don't. Okay. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. I promise you, don't do it. Oh, my goodness. That is good. All right. Is the floor now... Oh, it's Brave for you. I, I'm so ready to hear what your hidden gem of the SNES is. All right. So this is going to be a truncated version, obviously. I'm going to elaborate on this more later this month when Ash and I do our RPG. So those that are listening into this right now, get the sneak peek for this. Ooh. Mine is a JRPG, and the game was called, in the U.S., the game was called Robotrek. I have never heard of this game. Robotrek, huh? So I just sent Flib the box art for the US. You get the US box art, and it's like this Death Star looking. It really is like one for it's one just, Death Star. Sort it's of. so ominous. You're like, I need to know more now. This was a title released by Enix, and how this game was. As far as the plot, let's go ahead and talk about that before we start diving into uh, more about why the game was so just freaking awesome. Where is my thing so I can make sure I'm staying on topic here? I love how it says on the box, another great RPG from Enix. They're marketing real hard there for it. All right. All right. Here we go. Here's the plot on the planet of Quintenix. Yes, that's. Enix at the end of that, again, playing into it, or Paradise Star, technically in Japanese. The situation has long been peaceful, but now a group calling themselves the Hackers, again, a huge 90s pull right there. That is. Headed by Blackmore, 
suddenly starts an uprising against the population by disrupting the peace of the town of Rococo and elsewhere, as you find out. The main character, who appears to be nameless, is the son of a famous inventor, Dr. Akihabara, who decides to move to Rococo. The main character soon sets out to find that the hackers want his father for a very sinister purpose. Well, his father refuses to offer to join them, so now the story unfolds to a point where the hacker's ultimate goal is the Tetron, a mysterious stone that allows viewers to observe events past and future while they get to also choose to travel through time if they like what they see. That's one hell of a stone. It is. So now that Tetron is later found out to be an invention of the main character's ancestor, Rask, but in Japan, uh, in the Japanese version called Rusk. I don't know why they wanted to decide to change that by one letter, whatever. And one of his friends, Gato. They find the Tetron's potential as the key to controlling the universe by controlling time itself. Uh, Rask disregards that potential and hides the Tetron in shards throughout Quintenix. Uh, Gato, who presumably formed the hackers later on, attain obtains the Tetron and attempts to proceed with his plan for universal domination, starting with Rask's home planet of Choco. Chocolate Starn. It is up to the main character to stop Gato in his space fortress, aka what you're supposed to be seeing right there on the US box art. This game in the for the Japanese release was actually not called Robotrek, which is a very strong kind of sounding name, and it's called Slapstick. Oh, interesting. So I'm gonna send you this link here so you could see the box arts side by side, and that way you can be like, that looks totally different. We'll wait for Flo's reaction, then we'll dive some more. <laughs> that is that is way different, isn't it? <laughs> that is that is like night and day different. Okay, so what I want to jump into here to explain about this game, which was so cool, is the reason why it's called slapstick, is because what they had done with the storytelling of this game is they actually reinvented telling a good story while not having to constantly forebode like they do in many JRPGs. Oh, interesting. Now, when I told you that plot, it does sound foreboding, right? But that's that's like the plot line. That's not when you are experiencing it as it's going through. When you're experiencing it as you're going through and, and solving these different puzzles, these, these you know, collecting these different items uh, to help progress your storyline, you are set up with different quirky scenarios. So the game itself, when you are doing the gameplay, the gameplay is you have, you're, you're an inventor too, just like your father. So you actually have robots that you construct and then try to continue to perfect and then add different um, abilities and skill sets to them. So you are allowed a maximum of three, but only one on the screen at a time. During a battle though, now it takes you a turn to do this, you can go ahead and pull one of your robots out and pull the other one in because you might run into a situation the first time in an area so you have a robot that's meant to go ahead and deal uh, heavy damage with their glass cannon. You didn't realize, though, the enemies here have high speed. Those high speed ones obviously attack your glass cannon and melt your glass cannon before they can do anything. You're like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? You switch in your other unit who's more of a tank that those ones aren't doing much damage at all, even though they're fast. And therefore, you just start slowly whittling them down. You deal with them. So you have these different things that you're creating within your robots. 
a really cool other aspect of this game is that when you were uh, finding different things for upgrades for your robots and items that you have to combine to progress the game is there, like I was saying, combine, there's this section, this little machine device you eventually get that allows you to meld items together. And you can do this no matter what. You can meld and meld and meld and meld and meld no matter what. But certain combinations will hook you up with extremely awesome items. And that was part of the fun. It's like, oh, if I do this and this, it gives me this item. Oh, my gosh, I really need that for this one. Oh, can I get that boost here for this robot in the future? Okay, I got to make sure to hold on to this and get another one. And then you'll find out different items that you're able to uh, combine together that are going to make ones that you need to use later on. That's awesome. That sounds great. Like, I'm convinced right now that I have to go and play this game. (laughs) It it was such a darn good game. Now, I have not played this game in 25 years, something like that now. But I loved it. And it's hard on certain parts. Like, it really does get difficult because you're so used to having a full party when you play RPG games. Yeah. And only sections are going to be, like, a one unit. This time, no, you are a one-unit team that can then tag team somebody else in and then tag team somebody else in. So certain times on certain bosses, what you would do is, let's say you had a weak unit, but they had a lot of health, you would time it to where, okay, this is the cycle, I'm putting this unit in, boom, they take the damage because they got more health than your other units, then you go ahead and rotate in the ones that do the damage. That's amazing. Man, I never thought a concept like that or was on the SNES. It was a really, really cool game. Uh, And one of the things I want to end with on this game specifically is that 20 years later, when people were started to, after this game had been released, and started really talking about it, is that uh, Squaresoft really was dominant during this era, which is what led eventually we'll, we'll also talk about this in a future episode of squaresoft and and, and enix mm-hmm. uh, eventually combining right what that did to the market but this game is actually old has held up and aged fairly well because of the way the rpg battle system works uh the younger generation of gamers uh, might find it a bit slower and simplistic but it looks different it's got very anime very colorful vibes and What's so cool about it is, again, it does not revolve around dark, heavy themes, and it's much more around quirky, fun, and all these little twists. Not the kind of Shyamalan twists that you're like, oh, this sucks, but there was such a cool aspect to it where you would be learning about a uh, an enemy or a character that seemed like an enemy, but no, they are being used, so that's why they were acting this way towards you. Now they befriend you, and now they're giving you access to this other area that you need to go to, and you keep on finding out how all these different things of manipulation is what led to these people that really weren't trying to be your enemy, aren't, and you're just trying to solve this puzzle overall to go ahead and hopefully save your father. That's awesome. Obviously the world. (laughs) Yeah. A little heavy, but not as heavy as most were. Like any of these games, you know, obviously there's got to be something that makes you need to beat the game, right? Yeah. There, there has to be, in theory, an ending point of some kind. You know, even in like MMORPGs, there's a quest you turn in. There, there's a completion to those those side quests, those mini quests. 
uh, your daily quests, right? So same idea. This has to have some kind of end. So there has to be something that needs to be, you know, completed, so to speak. But the way they went about it was much more different than a lot of the other heavy hitters during that time, especially from Squaresoft, where it was pretty much impending doom from early on in each one of those uh, strong hitting titles. Yes, very much so. Was there Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy is a great example. Yep. Yep. Man. Well, I'm convinced I got to check out. Uh, I got to check these games out, man. Dude, that's that's how I feel, too. I really <laughs> want to check out RoboTrack. Yeah, you should. You totally man. should. Uh, it, it, it's a good one. Like I said, there's a there's certain parts that are a little bit slow because either you might start to spread out your resources too much. You might not spread out your resources enough. So one guy's super dominant. And if he goes down, you literally have like your other robots are so pathetic. <laughs> there's no like, oh, God. Yeah. They're like hitting like a wet noodle. Yeah. And so you have to learn about resource management. But again, as a kid, that was hard to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a little older than a kid now. So you probably yeah. would do much better with resource management. And all, all fun games we've talked about today. Big time. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this because this, this episode flew by. It, it really did. I didn't even realize what the time was until we got yeah. here. I was like, oh, man, that was quick. Yeah, that was, that was super quick. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for this fun episode, Dreamers. Flamly, love you as always. And 